So this evening I'd like to share some reflections and teachings um, on the the practice of the five daily recollections some of you may be familiar with. Um, I seem to do it here about twice a year, so here's the second one. (laughs) Um, For those of you who are not familiar with these teachings, I hope this will be an adequate introduction and for those of us who are familiar with them, may yeah, our being together with this teaching be something that can resonate in our hearts, in our minds, in a helpful way. So I often reflect on the compassionate motivation behind all of the Buddhist teachings and somehow feels particularly pertinent when we are considering and opening our heart and mind to this particular teaching. Um, Five topics for frequent recollection is how it's said in the sutta. So I'm I'm just going to read several versions of this. And the first one is, I think, pretty close to the one I, when I first met this teaching, was here in 2005. And it was on the notice board here. And uh, see, see how it... Yeah, I guess with all of this talk, I invite you just to notice uh, responses, reactions in the heart and mind. Always really helpful with any talk, perhaps. But and with this one, I have a sort of recollection of looking at the notice board and reading these and going, Oh, okay. Uh, and? So... That may not be your response, I'll see. So here's what it said on the notice board in 2005. I am of the nature to grow old. I am of the nature to get ill. I am of the nature to die. All that is dear to me will change and vanish. I am the owner of my karma. So just noticing any responses in your heart, mind, body. Um, I'm noticing that I'm smiling, which is interesting. <laughs> I One of the reasons I... I like teaching this is I feel it so connects us 
I don't know if that will be part of your experience or is, but I often feel like it's a kind of, you know, we, all of us, share this mortal predicament. And I find in contemplating it and teaching it, it's like I really, I find one of the most beautiful things about it is this mm, kind of sense of... um, how it how it connects I've, makes me have a sense of this whole family of beings, you know, living and dying and so on. And for us particularly, yeah, here um, in this shifting, changing community of sorts. And just as we sit here together this evening with each other, that sense of every single one of us is of this nature. And I, I think in, you know, in 2006, uh, just over a year after I was first here, I had a very difficult bereavement. Um, my very elderly foster mother died, and though it was long expected, you know, as these significant bereavements can be, it was just kind of devastating and really, really difficult. And I think it was part of what turned me to this teaching, looking for, you know, maybe one one source of help. And my feeling is, having practiced with it and taught it, and that it can be, it can help. It does help in in a number of ways. And like all the Buddha's teachings, it's like it has this richness and this depth, and it turns out to be an insight practice, and it turns out to be a calming practice and and it turns out to be a Brahma-vihara practice and you know so often just the way isn't it when you go deeply into something it opens up um has very been very very fruitful and perhaps this sense of um maybe in a gradual more gentle more reflective way you know we can do some of that letting go, some of that relinquishment, you know, which maybe both eases our passage through life and also perhaps its ending. Um, so sometimes I I realise often for me that I need kindness in in order to receive a teaching. So I spent a few months, kind of several years ago, trying to find some relationship with this teaching, which felt for me kind of very, very hard to connect with, really from a level of heart, if you like, meaning, you know, felt, sense, kind of rather than, yeah, I know, I know, okay, what, yeah. (laughs) Um, That sense of it sort of landing and going in. And so... um, I found a, a way of translate, translating it, not exactly translating it, but, you know, finding wording that to me kind of... It's like the medicine coming in with sugar. It's probably nothing like that. But anyway, perhaps that's a terrible simile. But anyway, um, the, the kindness, that sense of, that sort of active sense of this is, this is, compa- this is a compassionate, loving teaching... Like that, that for me made a big difference with how I could kind of open with it and be with it and kind of take take it in. 
So I'll read you what I came up with, and I will put it on the board. And again, as I'm reading it, just invite you to feel. I mean, for you, it might be just like, you know, too much sugar or something, I don't know. (laughs) But for some of you, it might, you know, it's like, oh, you know, that's, yeah. And maybe you might be inspired to find your own wording and your own translation, you know, for your heart and mind. Because I think we're all a bit different, aren't we? And um, like with the metta practice, you know, loving kindness practice and other Brahmavihara practice where we use phrases and we, you know, it's so interesting. I think either, you know, you can practice with traditional phrases or, you know, like this or in the metta practice and gradually over time and through repetition and reflection and deeply you know, listening to these these words that they kind of grow meaning and, you know, it it actually mm, is carrying something meaningful. Yeah, or we find language and words and images that somehow help that, help that resonance. So, um, so anyway, I'll read you this. Breathing gently... I lovingly remember this body is aging. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body is vulnerable to illness. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body will die. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember that loss is part of life. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember to meet this moment with wisdom. So for me, the, the breathing, that somehow connecting the recollection with embodiment is a really helpful grounding and also somehow the, the soothingness of the breath, or at least if it is soothing. Um, but the sense of gentleness, a sense of, again, that this is, a, this is to, re- to recollect this is compassionate. So again, that for me, putting that, putting it that way, seemed to help. And I also f- have found that the using the language of this body, like this body rather than my body, is helpful. Because I always get into arguments about my, because well, what is I'm, you know, I, me, I don't know. But this body, there's, yep, something's happening. And I also like the way it feels relevant to, to this body, this body, this body, right? The one that's in front of you, or behind you, or to the sides of you. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so again, there was a lot of reflection and a lot of 
just kind of sifting through different possibilities. And so I think that that's one of my teachers, Stephen Batchelor, talked about um, in practice we need to translate ideas into the language of the heart. And that's um, I really, really still really resonates with me. Um, I was thinking about how how I how I include this in my life, you know, or some of some of this kind of reflection, and I was realizing um, a, cu- a couple of ways. There's many, many ways aside from doing the repetition of the phrases as a practice. And one of them is when I'm teaching. Every time I come and sit in this seat, and particularly when I'm offering reflections, but also when we're just having a silent sit, I'm very, very aware that this could be the very last time. It could be. I don't always feel it so emotionally, but I think saying it out loud is like, yeah. And it could be the very last time you're sitting here listening. And I know even some people are leaving tomorrow, so you always think, don't you, well, I'll come back. Or maybe you don't always think that. But <laughs> Thank God that's over. I never, I'm never going back there. Um, uh, yeah, you know, it's, um, we, don't, we don't know. And I really, really appreciate that. I think that's the first time I've said it in, in the hall, but I definitely, somehow that's become like a kind of inspiration and a, just a, a sense of the preciousness of this opportunity to share Dhamma and support you. And Yeah. all very fragile, right? Very uncertain. You know, we we can't always feel that, can we? We can't, I mean, you know, I just felt it right then, but just, just, yeah, I guess different ways. I also realized I do it whenever I travel. Like, sometimes, like, when I leave here for a couple of days or something and I I really say goodbye, and I, uh, and I think that's another just two examples of how you can sort of weave this into your life, or just realise it is woven in. Um, and um, yeah, so one of the teachings I wanted to share was I read in this book which is in the library by Larry Rosenberg Living in the Light of Death really wonderful book on these five recollections and um, there's a teaching right at the beginning of the front of the introduction from Ajahn Lee and he said aging illness and death are treasures for those who understand them They're noble truths, noble treasures. 
If they were people, I'd bow down to their feet every day. I just love that. So, yeah, I'd bow down to their feet every day. And so part of, I think, this practice, and when I think about giving the talk, is kind of how how can we how can these teachings you know which on one level I don't know you know uh, maybe different reactions you know right fear don't want to think about that thank you very much um, depression anguish I don't I remember once long ago stays in my mind Catherine McGee gave a talk on on, on, I think it was on these or death or something. And I spent the whole rest of the evening weeping and wailing in the garden and just kind of really going a bit over the top with, I don't know what, I can't even remember now, but I don't think that was what she intended. <laughs> she didn't, you know. Um, so not that that was all necessarily a bad thing, but... Um, yeah, I think as I've sort of keep coming back to these, I, I think that there is they they can assist in meeting and helping us through emotional territory around when we consider these topics. Yeah, they, they can. They can. I don't think I quite understood that, and I was anyway. Yeah, it it felt a bit more. Mm, I don't know, you know, like when you, you start catharting and you, you're just like, maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing, just let it or get it all out and like howl and wail, and, you know, maybe that's going to, you know, like that feeling of that's going to do it. Um, well, maybe sometimes it's helpful, I don't know. Uh, hmm, so, yeah, helps us, uh, emotional territory... To, 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 to open to all these different possible feelings, emotions, thoughts, and so on. Mm. So how, how do they become treasures? You know, maybe that's... Yeah. Um, so maybe just staying with Larry. Um, one part of what he said about this I found very helpful Um, many of us are carrying around a great deal of unacknowledged fear on the subject of death and like any other fear it weighs us down This this practice flushes out fear see that that fear is impermanent and not self Confidence comes from seeing that fear is workable. Mm. So let's see. So, um, 
another aspect of this which might be the way that it actually invites us to um, to reflect to kind of inquire and to um, yeah maybe uh, reveal some of the uh, yeah the, what we call it the things that get in the way of really aligning ourselves with this, these truths or these facts or you know, you know the way it is the way things are and in a, a sutta the in this sutta that I'll yeah I'll put the reference on the board the these five recollections are offered as um, kind of ways of um, challenging I, I would say probably it's fairly typical, if not universal, sort of mis, misconception or misunderstanding or misperception and what is trans, translated also as intoxications with youth, health, life, the liked and ignoring the consequences of heedlessness. And there's a list. Well, I, I kind of like it. It's kind of this, maybe the tough love side of, you know, of things. It's like, you know, the intoxication with youth. I mean, doesn't that... So this was obviously happening two and a half thousand years ago. <laughs> this is not... You sometimes think of it, I think it's a very contemporary phenomenon, but maybe, maybe it's not. And maybe, again, it's almost like one of those almost built-in sort of aspects of, you know... I'm not trying to remember what it was like being young, you know, like it was a bit of a long time ago now, but was there some intoxication with youth, with that energy? And yeah, I think there probably was. Um, and so this waking up to that, that, um, you know, as soon as you're born, you're aging, you, all the, the fragility of life and so on. Um, Mm, or wanting to be young again, or wishing you were still young, or thinking sometimes like, I think, no, oh, I'm not old, I'm just in late middle age. <laughs> so, right. Niall, I was young until I was 50. How, how old were you when you weren't young anymore? <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? You know? And of course, there's some way in which there's a sense of our, our, our being, which there's no... There's no age, there's no time, so it does not compute. Yeah, that's also true. And, you know, it's going, it's definitely happening. (laughs) Yeah. Intoxication with health. I mean, why wouldn't we be? We want it, it's great, it's nice, it's pleasant. Why wouldn't we be intoxicated with it and want it and want to keep it? And, right? Are you intoxicated with health? I mean, it's sort of, in a way, natural. It's so interesting. At some level, it's just instinctive. And, you know, the, the organism tries to stay alive and eat things. And, you know, it's like kind of natural. But, whew, yeah. So the Buddha saying, yeah, but, and... 
And maybe the freedom, like always pointing towards the deathless and this sense of freedom. That's possible if we're if we're not, if we're not clinging to, to this, to these ideas. I mean you're not clinging to the body. I mean who goes around clinging to the body? I don't see people walking around doing this very often. If I'm like I'm clinging to the body, I don't want it to it's 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 an idea. It's an idea. I think it's very interesting. Uh, it's, also, it's, it's a kind of very unconscious, I think, very, um, yeah, well, what is that? I, thought, I find that a very helpful thing to kind of locate, you know, it's kind of sometimes very hard to find. But is it actually we're clinging to? Or well, the idea of being alive? I am alive. <laughs> I mean, on one level, like, yeah, you know, there's a body and it's alive. And But that I am alive? Right? Very interesting. This is different. So maybe sometimes, you know, very subtle or unconscious or half-conscious or something. This... Like sometimes I feel like it's a ghost or a sort of image of it's not really seen of you know me me here you know this whole kind of like shape of something that's different from the actual moment by moment lived experience of you know sensations and feelings and all of that five aggregates. What, what, what are we clinging to? Or what is being clung to? And is there anything to cling to? Anyway, we'll leave that one there. You're gone. But. So the liked, you know, and this sense of, of course... And we want to keep what we love and stay close to what we like and it's not always possible. So again, like this sense of frequent practice, recollection, that, oh, oh, that's the way things are, that that's not always possible. Right, you know, nod. <laughs> Nodding, bowing, you know, this kind of, oh, right, you know, bringing it, bringing it forward. And um, and ignoring the consequences of heedlessness. This is really, you know, this sense of even just that sort of very, oh, just, you know, habitual sense of being on automatic. I'm just, I'm shocked at how, you know, how common this is. You know, I realize I'm motoring around on automatic, really, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, and and what a continual sense of wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, <laughs> like you know, that whole becoming of a tendency where he's sort of on the way somewhere. Yeah, and and I think when I was reflecting on this and coming up with my little translation, I was thinking 
just this wish to, to knowing the preciousness of fragility of life, it's the uncertainty of its end, the sense of, you know, how do you want to, how do you want to be here, how do you want to, you know, meet what's happening? Could be, you know, that, so that, that's that, uh, to me, that's part of what I get from that particular reflection, it's like a, encouragement towards the the beautiful as well as a warning against the the unbeautiful, the unskillful. I was thinking also about a group of people I know who meet once a month to talk about death. And I've never obviously been to that group, it's their group, but I know that they have find great, great benefit in it, in it. And I think that's wonderful. There used to be one here at IMS staff group years, some years ago. And I think there's this way that we can really support each other, really to, to kind of open to this, that we can't do on our own. And I, I think that's so important. And so, yeah, it's really... Um, really helpful so I wanted to share on a teaching from Aya Kima and if any of you are familiar with her teachings I found um, some teachings from her on these five recollections on, on Dharma Seed so for future reference you can find them there some early and I, I, lo- I love I love her her, her voice, which I always found very forthright and direct. And so I want to share a little bit from her, which also, to me, really, really helps to point to how we can, um, we can inquire, we can use these five daily recollections kind of as questions or kind of not just, you know, things to believe and sign up to and try and insert into our brain somewhere um, but something to open up reflection and inquiring questioning um, so I share this with you I've, I found it so helpful so her phrasing of the recollection the first recollection is I am of the nature to decay I have not got beyond decay yeah that that second part I have not got beyond decay and and she says look at that and see whether it's a true statement (laughs) yeah so we're not like just okay, right, next. We're actually inquiring for ourselves to see, is this true? Um, And if you think it's a true statement, have you actually noticed it in yourself? Um, 
I've just, this is not her, this is me now. Um, I realized recently that I don't like looking at myself in the mirror anymore with my glasses on. <laughs> so, so sometimes I put my glasses on and I, again I look and I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. What happened? So Ikeem is inspiring me, see, encouraging me to face the truth. Yeah, and if you have noticed, what kind of reactions have you had? (laughs) One of dislike, rejection, trying to forget it, trying to counteract it, thinking that it is something that is unpleasant, or have you seen it as the underlying truth of everything that has life? I hope you get a sense of the richness of this, of just the, it's like this, this, this uh, I find the woods, you know, the forest and everything that's rotting in the forest. Sometimes I'll, you know, do that as a reflection. I'll just look at the rotting kind of, you know, the bit of tree and I like, oh, same, 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 it's the same. And actually, interestingly, I don't know how, how it would be for you, but I find it really lovely. It's kind of reassuring that I am of that nature. It's like, oh, right. So for me, this reflection, or all of these reflections, but particularly this one for some reason, is like a, such a, like I feel a sense of belonging to the earth, you know, to nature. It's like, oh, yeah, phew, I'm not separate from all that. I think I am, but I'm not, really. And there's something, again, I guess I, you know, you look, you sort of see what's difficult and then you see and you notice what feels uplifting or brings compassion or some wise understanding. Okay, so that, uh, just uh, share her second one. She says, I am of the nature to be diseased. I have not got beyond disease. Again, it's necessary to inquire if this is a true statement. Have we had disease or unpleasantness in the body, major or minor? Is it with us now? Can we expect it again? If so, what does that tell us about our presumed ownership of the body? (laughs) Bad news, right? (laughs) On that one, (laughs) on on that score. Feels like my body. Something to deeply, deeply question, isn't it? And again, you know, that sense of, oh, this is nature, this is nature. I feel like that aligning with the truth, aligning with that as a truth is is very, is a kind of easing, it's almost like a relief, you know, it's like, oh, oh, thank goodness, you know, just to say, yeah, it's like that, okay. 
And then maybe, you know, we forget and we get frightened again or in denial again. But then we can come back and we're like, ah. I'll just read one more. I so appreciate her, her teaching. I am of the nature to die. I have not got beyond death. Here, we don't have to inquire if this is true. <laughs> I hope. But, you know, isn't there again in the sort of unconscious, I'm going to live forever, I'm going to learn how to fly, or whatever that, you know, that song. Because, you know, it feels like, isn't it a kind of almost a, yeah, like there's a strange kind of delusory, delu- delusion thing that, like, obviously rationally we know it's true, but we live as if it isn't. So then in a way, it's as if it wasn't true. Hmm. But do we need to inquire whether we take it into consideration in daily living and whether we are ready for it? And if not, why not? Yeah. No, no, so there's a lot, a lot in there. I hope that, again, that sort of opens up a sense of space for reflection. Now, I've been hearing recently from a few different people because of different, maybe, reasons, a sense of life review coming up. And I think that sometimes that can be, you know, there can be space for that in this kind of practice, where there's space maybe for you know, acknowledging past and sort of whatever in the heart needs to be kind of, you know, remembered, processed, what do you want to say, released, sort of released. So that, you know, do you know what I mean? It's, it's not just like um, trying to batten something down, but actually opening something up um, so that these reflections can be to actually life affirming in a in a way like life opening opening up the life so those constrictions of the 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 fear the particular fears around you know mortality and loss and, and so on can be can be can make more space for the the wisdom and the compassion and the joy to to come forth so um yeah, this um, kind of sense of wonder and awe and appreciation of life. Maybe you've 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 had experience of that. I was remembering um, two different bereavements where I felt a very distinct in that these other people had gone, and it made me feel, you know, inspired to to live honorably. You know, a sort of to live well, almost for because they couldn't anymore. Uh, honouring what they had given me, and this sort of deep wish to um, to, to yeah to, to 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 live to live as well as I I can. So um, I think though those the, these moments of. Brushes with mortality in different ways can also open up the heart to so much appreciation and love and um, and gratitude 
right? It's it's maybe another way in which these um, reflections, these truths, are treasures, as Ajahn Lee was saying. Noble truths, noble treasures, because they actually um, they 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 can cut through a lot of. distraction and preoccupation and wake us up um, to, to the immediacy, to the beauty. Mm. Another teaching from, um, from Stephen Batchelor, I think, I'm not sure where it actually comes from originally, is um, if, if death is certain... And the time of death uncertain, what shall I do? Uh, maybe it could be a helpful reflection. So, hmm, so just noticing. Yeah, if any, and just how this is touching, how it's resonating for you. Um, I have a, a couple more things I'd like to share. Um, teaching from Ajahn Suchito, which is recently I came across, um, relevant to the the autumn season that we're in. The nature of life's energies is to change and fade. And reflection on death gives a chance to recognize all those forces and have a change of heart. We can consider that one of the most important abilities in our lives is the ability to let go of things to let them drop like the leaves in autumn, rather than always be searching for a new spring, a new arising. The last thing I'd like to share is a chant, a compassion chant. Some of you may have heard this. It's a Kuan Yin chant, the embodiment of compassion, the statue just we have as we come into the hall. And um, this, these were words that I got from Tanisara's book, Time to Stand Up, um, her book on the meeting the environmental catastrophe that's unfolding. And this, this chant is a very key part of how she and Kitisara teach in retreats. And I have taken the words and I found... I've found... 
my own tune. Right, so another way of perhaps translating teachers' teachings into the language of the heart. Um, and so I'll share it with you with a deep wish for your well-being, for the growth of wisdom and compassion in all of us, yeah, for our own benefit and the benefit of all beings. And I invite you to join in, if you wish, and I invite you to feel completely free to not join in, because I know how that can feel. Oh my God, I've got a chant. I don't, I don't want to. If it's just me, that's fine. So I'll just go over it a few times. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Resting, resting deeply, I return my life. To the one who listens deeply To the sounds of the world Resting, resting deeply I return my life To the one who Listens deeply to the sounds of the world. Resting, resting deeply, I return my life to the one who listens deeply. To the sounds of the world Resting, resting deeply I return my life To the one who listens deeply To the sounds of the world Resting, resting deeply I return my life To the one who listens deeply To the sounds of the world Resting, resting deeply I return my life To the one who listens deeply To the sounds of the world Resting, resting deeply I return my life To the one who 
listens deeply to the sounds of the world last time resting resting deeply I return my life to the one who listens deeply to the sounds of the world. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.